0: So there was no Pascal Siakam. There was no Fred Van Vliet, no Yuta Watanabe, no OG Ananobi, no Chris Boucher, no David Johnson, no Reggie Perry. A ragtag group of players for the Raptors tonight as they defeat the Washington Wizards, 113-108. Maybe most impressive among these players was Malachi Flynn, who brought a significant amount of scoring pop As did Sam Decker. As the old adage goes, if you can shoot it in the Turkish Super League, you can shoot it in the NBA. Now, I'm not sure how many people use that adage, but I'm sure it's been used once, at least by myself. Yes, 113-108. This is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I am your host, Samson Folk, and we're here to detail the game wherein the Raptors win. But I think it was, you know, seeing a pick-and-roll offense run by two absolute studs Bradley Beal and Spencer Dinwiddie for a large part of the game creating easy looks against the Raptors defense and then once they stopped playing the Raptors to kind of take over and allow the game to fester in chaos which benefits them greatly the Raptors this year will be agents of chaos anytime they're winning and well anytime they're losing as well, they're going to play a chaotic brand of basketball, and they rode that to victory tonight, along with some hot shooting from Flynn and Decker, particularly in the second half. A bunch of guys battling for spots right now. If you are wanting the inside track, well, hmm, I wonder if this will all be old news by tomorrow. You could be even by the time you're listening to it right now, the Raptors could have already announced cuts and who they plan on signing, but Blake Murphy, uh, who's now with Sportsnet and doing, you know, the good show in the morning. Uh, Big shout out to radio buddy Blake Murphy. But he did uh, some written work wherein he talks about who might have the inside job on on each available spot on the roster. And uh, apparently, Isak Bonga has the inside track against Sam Decker and Wainwright has it against uh, Freddie Gillespie. Now, is that going to be the case after this game? I don't think Freddie Gillespie made any type of like he, he had more boards in this game, a little bit more hustle, a little bit more bite on the defensive end, but did he make a, you know, good enough case to end up on the team? Probably not. But Decker, 18 points, he was four or five from downtown, seven to ten from the floor. He popped off a little bit. Is that enough? Ten field goal attempts to swing what they think against Wainwright, for example. Uh, tough to say also if it's not like in bad taste to point out how strange is it the Raptors just played a back-to-back preseason game H- how odd right anyway yeah this game was it was a sloppy affair for a lot of it and that's how the Raptors score a lot of their points is the other team not being super assembled defensively and the Raptors with their slew of long players finding gaps and finding lanes. And particularly with guys like Scotty Barnes being able to pass into those lanes. Precious Achua was running, he was trailing on the fast break and he just made a beeline for the rim, was covered. The Wizards did a pretty good job of cutting off and covering those passing lanes, but Scotty Barnes made a super slick bounce pass into the teeth of the defense. And the the Wizards were so surprised that the pass got through that Precious Achua was pretty much alone under the basket. It was a... Uh, a strange configuration, I would say. Gary Trent Jr. and Goran off the start of the game had a lot of the ball, particularly Gary Trent Jr. And Gary Trent Jr., still to this point, and people who've listened to the podcast, particularly the podcast I did with Zarrar, you, you would know and, and the podcast I did with Lewis, I'm not going to be too tough on Gary Trent Jr. throughout the season. I think I understand him as a player, but He is very limited on the ball. And putting the ball in his hands as much as they did against the Wizards tonight, I think, was really tough. His 4 of 14 shooting splits, I think, are an indication of that. And the lack of creation. Zero assists, by the way. And he had the ball in his hands a lot. Quite a few used possessions. No assists. Bad shooting from the floor. Does that mean he's any worse at anything that we ever thought he was bad at or good at no Gary Trent Jr. is still a positive offensive player if you put him in a position where he's spacing the floor and forming up off of drives relocating hitting jumpers all that stuff he's still like a well above average shooter and could border on elite games to game so yeah he's, he's the same guy he's always been and he was put in a tough spot for this game and the Raptors were in a slump early primarily because of that they it was a strange function well their their offense was functioning in a strange way scotty barnes precious situa isaac bonga those types of guys were playing off the ball when one would think you would want to put the ball in those guys hands particularly scotty barnes a to see what he's got b because he's your young guy just like hell yeah go for it dude see what you can create i guess that falls under a as well and C, because Gary Trent Jr. is way more effective off the ball. And if you want to score, and particularly when we think of Scotty Barnes, I think he's passed Gary Trent Jr. into six rim attempts, two of which ended up going to the free throw line. Three others, I think, ended up in layups. And for the record, this is the totality of the, uh, of the preseason. Gary Trent Jr. is cutting off of Scotty Barnes pretty well. And, yeah, I'd like to see Scotty with the ball in his hands instead of Gertrand Jr. Other early and often observations. Goran Dragic looked awesome in this game. He has been shooting, I think, over his last few hundred three-point attempts. Uh, Actually, it might be in the upper hundreds, like closer to like 750, 800, close to like 37% from three. Now, that's not a huge amount of pull-up threes or anything like that. That's a guy who's hitting catch and shoot spot up threes, but that's good enough that you're not ruining spacing or cramping spacing. He continues to pull from downtown he is not he's not a, unab- he is unabashed a little bit, especially considering that he wasn't much of a shooter at the start of his career. four or five, but the most important aspect I think was him getting downhill. He had a couple really nice passes that he made that should have been layups that ended up just getting kind of flubbed or the guy got stripped going up to the rim, that kind of stuff. But Drogic was using his craft and his driving ability to get into the teeth of the Wizards. You know, their defense, especially with him not sharing the floor with either of OG Ananobi or Fred Van Vliet in this game, I think Drogic was closer to the, you know, de facto point guard role that he's operated in. Does that mean, I think, during the regular season he has to exist in that role? Otherwise, he'll look ill fit. I don't think so. He's played next to Bam Adebayo. He's played next to Jimmy Butler. I think he's going to look fine playing off of guys like Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, and Pascal Siakam, For well, and Fred Van Vliet as well, for as long as they are teammates. Does Goran Dragic end up traded at some point? You know, who knows? Does he end up being, you know, a grizzly vet on a Raptors team that is bringing Pascal Siakam back? way earlier than anybody thought. I think Nick Nurse said he was two, three weeks away now. That is a way, way closer start than I think what had been talked about before. Apparently he's been playing uh, f- like basketball for four or six weeks now. And Chris Boucher is reportedly only 10 days away. So do the Raptors maybe get a chance to punch up at a playoff spot? Is that more realistic knowing that Pascal comes back sooner? And after seeing... OG and kind of ascendance during this preseason. I think that's a, a fair thing to think about. And could Dragic factor in to a team that wants to make the playoffs? Hell yeah, he could. He could be very, very important uh, given that context for the Raptors. And another thing for the first half, Precious Achua, that dude thinks he's a point guard. And you know what? I have no problems with that thought process, <laughs> that thought process so far. It is an absolute joy to watch. How much of it will carry over to the regular season remains to be seen. But honestly, let the guy boogie, oogie and create whatever he can off the bounce during the the preseason. And just just to get a look at what's going on there, he has an extremely unique skill set if he can carry this type of play over to the regular season. Having a dribble package like that at his size is not common. And it's talked about in countless prospects who, when they get to the NBA level, cannot translate it, cannot apply it as well as Precious has been. Mind you, he's being guarded by centers, of course, but the on-ball stuff is super intriguing. Not to mention, in this game, pretty good pop as a, a rotational defender. That was awesome to see. As a defensive unit, I think the Raptors, it was a pretty disappointing game for the most part because... They could not. Well, you know, it depends what you think of or what you're expecting when they're missing so many guys. So does this team, the team that the Raptors rolled out there, should they be expecting to get kind of dominated defensively when Bradley Beal and Spencer Dinwiddie are kind of exacting their will on the pick and roll game? They should to some degree. Like they're drawing in double teams. They're taking guys into the paint using physicality to keep their primary on them. And then outfoxing the guys in help side, getting open threes for teammates, creating driving lanes, particularly for Daniel Gafford. All that stuff is a huge part of basketball. Dependable pick and roll offense is worth its weight in gold in the NBA. For the record, something the Raptors have very little of and something that I hope develops both on the guard front and the big man front this year. But the Wizards... Heading into the fourth quarter, they were pretty comfortable because they had played that style. They had manipulated the Raptors' defense and kept them at arm's length, basically, for the whole game with that pick-and-roll attack. The fourth quarter, though, was where we saw less of Spencer Dinwiddie, less of Bradley Beal, and more of, say, Denny Avdiha. And not to mention, the whole game, Kyle Kuzma was slinging it, man. Absolutely shooting the lights out. It was... Pretty awesome to see. And Montresherrill was an absolute load. But yeah, Kispert, Denny Ovdihat, they start getting quite a few minutes in the fourth quarter, and the offense starts to dwindle a lot for the for the Wizards. And on the other side of things, Malachi Flynn and Sam Decker combine for 25 points in their on their lonesome. Well, how can you combine for a lonesome? On their twosome. Okay. They combine for 25 points. They steer the Raptors to victory. Sam Decker, you know, a pump fake and gets down into the lane, punches a gap for a dunk. Yes, but mostly just slinging it from downtown. And Maokai Flynn getting screen help, finding himself open, drawing fouls, getting to the line, and creating for himself and others. It was a really excellent display of his craft as a lead guard. Did it come against third stringers? Absolutely, it did. But you're looking for anything from Malachi Flynn because sometimes the game looks really tough for him. In the first half, he had a two-on-one, and Daniel Gafford stepped out. He would have had like an eight-foot floater, maybe 10-foot floater. He dribbled it back out to around the free throw line. This is usually where players evaluate. They're trying to find a new lane. Maybe a 45 cutter comes in behind you, right, where somebody's cutting across the baseline in front of you. Those two cuts happen all the time. That's where maybe you evaluate. If that's not happening, you pass out. But Malachi Flynn, like a very terrible decision, he tries to make like this very difficult fader from the free throw line that's carrying him away from the rim. And that kind of stuff is really poor decision making. And it comes after he couldn't take advantage of the inherent two-on-one that was afforded to him. That kind of stuff sticks out like a sore thumb when he's playing against other NBA-level players. That being said, it was really nice to see him dominate for a short stretch of time against the Wizards and do that and basically close out the game for the Raptors, 113-108. to Other notables, uh, Justin Champagny was a hawk for rebounds, as he often is. Uh, This is something I know he listens to the podcast. Lou Rowe, who is a commenter on Raptors Republic, he was talking about this is what he was known for at Pitt, not just on the box score, but also among people, this is something that really popped about his game, which is correct. Uh, at his urging, I went back and looked at some write ups on him and coaches comments and stuff like that. Yeah, he's he is a glass eater and known as such. Donald Banton, uh, funky and dysfunctional more than functional in this one. Broken play assists for sure. But the amount of times he lost his handle and just ended up in a play that was like, holy hell, what's going on here? It is an absolute shock that he only had one turnover. I don't know what the what this season holds for him, if the Raptors are going to try and get super funky and play him as part of the rotation, or if they're going to go with the super long vision and get him a bunch of reps as the on-ball guy with the 905. I would probably lean the latter, if, you know, gun to my head that nobody's putting there, if I had to choose. Svi Mikhailak, 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 uh, Svi is a, a consummate pro, a quieter game, because he's much better when he's playing around good players. And the Raptors were sitting a lot of their good players in this one. And Svi didn't get to play a lot next to guys like Drogic or guys like uh, Barnes in this one. And Barnes and Svi, I think, have shown a little bit of, you know, playmaking, mind melding at times. They, they cut and pass off of each other pretty well. Uh, but anyway, yes, fee was you know run of the mill fee, uh, if not a little bit worse. And but that's okay. Ish Wainwright, I think, had a fantastic defensive stretch of play. Hit a three as well, if not two. Yes, two, I believe. And uh, so Ish, he's he's gunning for a spot as well. And to see him defend across like the bigger positions when he tags a guy coming off the wing, that's a really effective tag. Wainwright is a very strong defender. Seeing him step out on guys and stonewall them, super fun, uh, good for Ish. And yeah, as I talked about, Freddie Gillespie kind of did his thing. Lastly, Kem Birch, uh, still much more muted than Precious Achua, uh, for example. But he's getting the defensive reps in. It's going to be a lot more meaningful in the regular season. But if this is any indication, we very well could see Precious Achua starting at the 5 on opening night which is quite a turnaround, I would say, because Precious obviously was the guy that the Raptors wanted in that trade. They got Precious and, you know, he's here and he's flashing a bunch lately. And does that flash turn into actual winning minutes for the Raptors at the five position? Remains to be seen, but he's certainly shown enough to, I guess, garner some optimism, especially at the five because the Raptors are very thin I mean, without Pascal Siakam, this is one of the worst front courts in the NBA. And that's not even a point you could contend with anybody. That's objective fact. They are not thick in the uh, in the front court. And, you know, them's the breaks currently. But uh, yeah, Kim Birch doing his thing. We'll see more in the regular season. But yeah, the Raptors, 113 to 108. The top quick reaction comment is from Kevin Dallas Quote, The speculations around the end of my run with the Raps are greatly exaggerated, end quote, and attributed to Malachi Flynn. Yes. uh, I don't know who would be saying that Flynn was going to be done with the Raptors. That's just... Stanley Johnson got a chance with the Raptors. He was like a second contract guy. Guys who are first-round picks typically have a pretty long leash. Like, Dumbaya still got... I can't remember who signed him today, but these guys get released and signed and they they have a long leash in the league and particularly with their original team. They'll, they, may, they might not get the qualifying offer when the time comes, but they'll certainly, they're not going to get cut. That's extremely rare. So whoever was suggesting that Flynn was not going to be around with the Raps, uh, misguided uh, talking points, I would think, because I, I don't think that was ever part of anybody's analysis. But anyway, like Flynn, whether he's fighting to stay on the roster, I don't think so. Whether he's fighting to stay in the rotation, and maybe be looked at as an option more often to start the year out. Like he wants to build off of these preseason games just so he gets looked at like, hey, I can run the offense. Give me meaningful minutes to start the year and let me carve out a place on this team. Sure. That's definitely that's definitely something he's been worried about and definitely something He's helping turn the tide on. But we're going to need to see more stuff in the regular season, and he's going to have to carve out more pick-and-roll play with a choice partner, Uh, perhaps not of his choosing, but of whoever he's getting paired with. They're going to have to figure out the quirks and rhythms and stuff like that. But Kevin Dallas, thank you for writing in. Listener, thank you for listening in, whether you got into it in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.